Welcome to The Burn, Beyond Fire Stop. I'm your host, John Zalepka. Our show is focused on life safety and code compliance in the built environment, which puts me on a mission to find the most interesting people in the space and get their unique perspectives. Our hope is that our listening audience walks away with an understanding of how our guests and their businesses also contribute to the promotion of life safety of whatever is being built. Now, our show is brought to you, as always, by Specified Technologies, also known as STI Firestop. And since 1990, STI has been a leading global provider of innovative fire protective solutions that help stop the spread of fire, smoke, and hot gases, or what's commonly referred to as passive fire protection. So our guest today also finds himself in the passive fire protection industry after spending most of his career on the active side in fire suppression. And Luke Connery is a senior vice president at Conquest Fire Spray, where they've developed a portfolio of solutions called Flame Bar, uh, which limit the spread of fire and smoke through ventilation ducts. So we'll get into all of that. Uh, But this is critical in life safety of any building. But uh, we'll let Luke talk all about that. Welcome to the show, Luke. Hey, John. Thanks very much for having me. I'm excited to be on The Burn. Uh, this, uh-huh. is, this is cool. Uh, you know, I've, uh, you don't get to do podcasts every day, so when you get uh, invited in, you jump on the opportunity. Glad to be here. I appreciate you being here. Um, and I don't know if you listen to this show. I don't want to assume that you do, but uh, if you do, you know that I always like to start on a personal note rather than jumping sure. into the whole business of things. And so I want to take you back to your college days at WPI, Wooster Polytech Institute. Now, after doing a little digging on LinkedIn, I see that you played NCAA football there. So, of course, yeah. I had to cross-reference you on, on Google. And when I didn't find any statistics on you, I assume you must have been an offensive lineman. I was an offensive lineman, that's right, yeah. Uh, Division three football over at WPI, uh, the engineers, you know, um, you know, Gompi was our logo, Gompi the GOAT, uh, <laughs> that's which, right. uh, a, a big name on school, but we had a lot of fun, uh, played a lot of great teams in the, in the area and the surrounding, you know, region, and uh, a lot of great memories from playing football at WPI, yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, so my first question is, how did the time on the team and or specifically that brotherhood or that camaraderie that comes with being an offensive lineman help you in your current role as you build out your business development team? Yeah, I mean, that's a really great question. I mean, it's, uh, you know, the, 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 the grit and the determination and the, you know, the stick to I think, is really what comes through. Um, you know, the discipline, uh, working together as as a unit, not an individual performer, not like one of these, you know, receivers that's out there, you know, you know, catching balls or doing whatever they, you know, these, these touchdown, you know, touchdown dances or whatever it is, you know, uh, we work together as a team. And so you see that every day, not only with the other, you know, engineering business development team members, but on the inside of the business too, with, you know, you know, inside sales, business development, our outside sales team, you got to work together as a team. So I think that's what translates most. Absolutely. I I understand it. I was an offensive lineman, and then uh, my senior year, they let me put the gloves on and catch some passes as a tight end. So I get it. I get it. I know what it means to be part of that unit. So digging in a little bit further, I see that you are a professional engineer. You studied mechanical engineering as an undergrad, received your master's in fire protection engineering. I mean, you must love engineering. Where did you get that passion for engineering from? Um, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I used to think once upon a time that I was going to go design cars and, and really I wanted to design Cadillacs. That was my, you know, that was my thing. That's what I set out to go do. Uh, and then I got to WPI in Worcester and found out that they had a fire protection engineering program.
program. And I said, what is that? And, you know, learning more about the burn lab and, uh, you know, just understanding a little bit more about the subject matter, learning that there aren't very many schools in the country that offered a, a you know, a master's program in fire protection engineering. I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to move in that direction. So I started doing it, um, and, and found out, yeah, Hey, you can light stuff on fire and you're going to get paid for it. I said, sign me up. And, and I was on my way. You know, and, uh, you know, from there, look, the, the WPI does such a good job at, at placing their students at, you know, uh, in internships and you really get set up well for, um, you, you know, your career. And uh, my career ended up being on the suppression side of the business. And, you know, I was off to the races. Um, so, John, my, my first job coming out of school was in explosion protection for a little company called Kitta Fenwall. Uh, which took me all over the world, uh, you know, helping people with their explosion risks. So huh. picture yourself as a 21-year-old, 20-year-old, 21-year-old, 22-year-old doing that kind of work. Uh, pretty cool stuff, you know? Yeah, you get to blow stuff up, light things on fire, watch things burn. That's awesome. What's, what could be yeah, better? Yeah. And you get paid for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what a tremendous career opportunity. So uh, did that for a little while. And maybe three, four years into it, um, I had a buddy of mine worked over at FM Global, had just joined up over at, you know, Tyco. And he said, you know, have you ever thought about coming over and doing spring, you know, sprinklers on the suppression side of the industry? And I said, yeah, let's learn more about it. And long story short, I ended up over there back in like 2004, I think it was. And, uh, you know, I was with Tyco uh, for about 15 years and did all sorts of stuff over there. But that's what introduced me to the laboratory. That's what introduced me to fire testing and, um, you know, the research and development side of the industry, which really, you know, most people think about, you know, products and solutions are tested and listed. But most of research and development is not about success. It's about failure. You know, most of the time in the lab, you're failing these tests, so you know what can go wrong, and you learn from that what can what you need to do to in order to pass the test. And I think that's the you know having that experience firsthand really set me up for okay, where else you know do you find you know testing and listing of products? And so 15 years later, seeing you know this opportunity on the passive side of the industry, I want to say that's really attractive to me. Let me go learn more about it. And, you know, fire rated ventilation systems really uh, are more interesting. There's more depth there than anyone has any reason to imagine. <laughs> so uh, I'm really happy with what I'm doing now. Cool. Yeah. And we're definitely going to get into that, but I definitely want to go back to where you developed and patented a water mist system. I mean, that's pretty cool. Let's not skip over that. That's actually being an engineer, right? Like making things work, designing stuff. Um, is When did you eventually get that bite for the, like, the business development side of things where you're like, you know what? I know this stuff so well that yeah. I can teach others how to get preferred spec position on it. You know, you're you're really great at sort of uh, uh, digging for the good stuff because oh, I thanks, I appreciate that. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of lessons uh, here, a lot of insights here. Um, you know, I, I think yeah, water mist. So, and this wasn't the suppression mode stuff where it was like, hey, put out these big, you know, um, uh, flammable liquids fires in you know relatively small, or medium or large size rooms. This is hey, do what a sprinkler does. 
in a compartment like the room the room you're sitting in or the room that I'm sitting in but we're just you can use about one third of the water and uh, and, and figure that out D design that nozzle right and that was no easy task so I think when we developed that system uh, me and the people that I was working alongside I think I think we did a hundred and fifty two hundred you know small compartment fire tests and that was John, one test out of five that you needed to pass in order to get the listing, right? Wow. So think about the blood, sweat, and tears, and the iteration, and we're trying to be smart about it. And uh, so, so when I talk about you know the failure associated with research and development, and when, when I talk about sort of the stick-to-itiveness and the grit that comes out of that you know uh, athletic experience that I had, right, uh, playing football, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, you got to keep you got to lean into it, expect the best, expect a good outcome, and, um, and uh, eventually you'll get there. So uh, what happened was, you know, these systems are pretty complicated. Uh, water mist systems, water spray systems. I was a part of the special hazards group at Tyco at the time. And uh, basically you have customers that call up and they have questions. How does this work? How does that work? What should I expect? You know, what should this design density be? Uh, where are the codes that back this up? And you just do your best to help these people out. So I love helping people make sense of these things. So like, you know, people have these needs and you help them out. And before long, you start connecting dots, right? And um, by connecting the dots, before you know it, you become the subject matter expert. And then somebody in senior management comes over and says, Hey, have you ever thought about doing sort of a technical sales role at Tyco? They called it business development. And I said, you know, I think I would love that. Uh, and you know, so I was kind of an experiment. I was the first engineer that they brought into that role at Tyco and, um, I did pretty well. I did pretty well. So that was my entree into technical sales, business development. And, um, I, I, I haven't looked back basically. That's what I've done ever since. And that's been the past 15 years, John. And so you've been, uh, just trying to drive specifications. I mean, do you have, uh, any tips for some of our listening audience out there that might be trying to work their way into a spec here or there? Yeah. You know, I, I think, I think, you know, we, we joke in engineering business development, we call it uh, commission breath, right? Engineers, specifying engineers, architects, can smell commission breath a mile away. Uh, and so if you come in there sort of project oriented, I wanna win this job, I wanna win that job, you're really gonna turn a lot of people off. But if what you're offering isn't actually project specific, but it's education about you know a corner of the industry, or part of the industry, particularly where people, um, you know, aren't, you know, there there isn't a lot of education, there isn't a lot of information. Uh, I think I think especially engineers, these are curious people. They're interested to know more and learn and understand, right? And if you can provide that depth, um, you could become, you know, a subject matter expert in their eyes, and then they come to you for solutions. Um, it's always easiest if you have the you know uh, best portfolio in a particular space as well. I mean, STI is right there on the fire stop side, so you guys have this experience. And uh, the product that I work with today, Flame Bar, 
Um, you know, we're the most specified and the, you know, the, the largest fire rated duct in the industry today. Uh, so we can talk a little bit more about that, but yep. com combining the education uh, with the sort of, you know, how do I do this on the project, the applications, expertise, and being helpful to people. Like, you know, if they're going to spend their time talking to you. Uh, you know, how did you improve their day? Uh, how did you improve their it. week? How did you improve their project? Uh, how, how did you improve their value to their client? If you can do those things, you, you can influence specifications. Educate, be helpful, add value. I love it. I always like I like always like to get three things in there, even though I held up two fingers. That's fine. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, I mean, we do a lot of that as well. Try to get that spec position, educating, offering credits to architects and engineers. Um, it's the kind of thing you have to do when you're up against the large corporations like we are. And um, and I guess you were working for a big company, Tyco, and I guess Johnson Controls as well. And, and so I guess let's jump over to where, what you're doing now. Here you are on the other end of the world, right? So Conquest Fire Spray. I don't have your financials, but I'm going to assume you're slightly smaller than Johnson. And on top of that, you're now on the passive side as opposed to the active side. So tell us a little bit more about how you're finding life these days. You know, it's uh, – it, it, the, the, the passive side of the fire protection industry is much more interesting than you would have thought. Um, um, and uh, fire rated ventilation systems, when I first came in, <clears throat> excuse me, it was, it was just learning a little bit about, okay, so this is a technical product, got it. Well, so what are we talking about here? You know, and really what, what I found is um, it, it's, it's contrasting the, you know, what is correct per codes and standards with the status quo, you know, also known as, you know, code by osmosis, right? People have been doing things a certain way for 10 years or 15 or 20 years, so it must be code compliant, right? And, and what we find is that in a lot of cases, it, it, it's not. It's not. And it, it's not for lack of trying. I think people want to get it right. They just don't understand uh, sort of the technical underpinning and, and the performance requirements. You know, I say it quite a bit, uh, John, but, you know, Flame Bar is the product, you know, fire rated ventilation systems is really what we're talking about. And um, it's not 70 degrees and sunny, okay? It, it's, it's 2,000 degrees, two hours later, three hours later, four hours later. So everything else is a hot mess on the floor in the building, and these systems need to continue to operate. And this is the, the actual fire rated duct systems, right? And then also, you know, the fire stops that folks like STI, um, you know, have built around the fire rated duct system. So these are, these are fire and life safety systems. And it, it's hard for people who, you know, maybe they're not fire protection engineers and they don't, they don't think that deeply about what we're talking about here. So um, it, it's, it's up to us, I think, in the industry to help people to understand, um, you know, uh, the importance and criticality of these systems. So Conquest Fire Spray is the company, and you manufacture flame bar solutions. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about some of that prefabricated duct work that uh, is flame bar? Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I tell my clients it's uh, you know it's an engineered product first, uh, and then it's a duct work product second. Okay, which is very true. This is, again, these are technical products. Uh, you know, flame bar it has an endothermic coating. On it, it's a pretty thin, you know, just a, a millimeter thick, and and what we're doing is we're trading down significantly the amount of mass required 
uh, to successfully perform in these tests. Uh, the other thing that we're doing is there, there's two levels of protection that you can get with fire rated duct. Two levels of listings, you know, testing and listings. One of them is known as fire outside and one of them is known as fire inside. So, so fire outside, you can think about it like a winter coat, you know, am I going to be able to stop the fire that's in this compartment from getting into my duct? Yeah. And that's a pretty easy to achieve listing, to be honest with you. Um, uh, what's required by the code and what most people, you know, what most fire rated products out there don't have is a fire inside listing, uh, which is known as, you know, duct B. And um, uh, so if you look at the code, it's pretty clear around, you know, symmetry requirements. Uh, if you look at a shaft wall, for example, any fire barrier wall, you're going to test both sides. You're going to test this side, you're going to test that side, and you're only going to get a listing for the weaker of the two sides. And that's the side that's going to be tested from this point going forward. So any other testing that you do, you test that weak side. Well, in fire rated duct, that's the inside of the duct. Uh, and, and so flame bar is always a duct B fire inside performer and so always meets the code requirements for the whole range of tested and listed sizes up to some pretty huge sizes, 800 square feet. Uh, and I've, I've never seen a plenum that's 800 square feet in cross section, but if there is one and these, these systems, these, these fire rated ventilation systems keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, so I think someday maybe we get there. Uh, flame bar would be a good solution for that uh, for that application. Yeah. So what are some other potential applications? I'm I'm imagining it's great for retrofit shaft solutions. What um how else can you you possibly use it? Actually, it's interesting that you say it you say it that way. Um, yeah, there's a lot of um, office projects that are kind of in some limbo. Uh, uh, period because of the pandemic and because of office demand and th there's been especially in the Northeast but in other parts of the country as well a lot of projects which were once office projects that are being pivoted over to laboratory projects oh, okay. right and you know an office building isn't really ideal for a laboratory building so there's a lot of uh, bridge building let's say uh, for the engineering community the design community uh, architects too uh, to make what was once an office project ready for a laboratory project and uh, shaft space for hazardous exhaust and otherwise um, uh, is at a premium. It's, it's not easy to come by. And so, yeah, you can use flame bar to A, be really low profile. You know, we are an uninsulated fire rated duct product, so we can fit into some pretty tight spaces. Um, and then um, we also have a shaft alternative solution or you know low profile shaft solution where if you're using flame bar riser inside the shaft right uh, you only need to use one layer of drywall around the perimeter so you can go up against the existing shaft and you can core vertically through the building and with two sides of drywall you now have a fully two hour rated shaft moving vertically through the building so um but, the, but there's a variety of applications, you know, inline fan enclosures that are tested and listed, um, you know, damper omission, if you have a stair press system, elevator press system, um, you know, I mentioned hazardous exhaust, but the code says you can't use a damper to protect that penetration through that fire barrier wall or through that shaft. What are you going to do? Well, you, you can do a built architectural solution 
but most design teams don't want to have a fire-rated corridor moving through their building, and so they end up using fire-rated duct. So again, you can use flame bar, it's a symmetry-performing fire-rated duct solution. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's really great. Again, the, the depth and breadth of applications, uh, uh, and you almost think about it, um, you know, this education that we provide to the market, uh, you know, is understanding the capabilities for their projects. It, it may not necessarily be a project that they're working on right now, but it may provide um, their ability to, you know, sort of more creative license for how they design a building in the future. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, it, that seems pretty cool what you guys have going on over there. It seems like there's a lot less coordination, probably saves time and money uh, to a certain extent. Not that you're trying to take work away from the insulators or the carpenters, but sometimes you just don't have the room. Or like you said, in these retrofit applications, you don't want to shut down the whole building uh, to start building shaft walls. So uh, really cool stuff. Um, yeah, I, I like know, it. John, I think that's a good point. <clears throat> Look. Fire-rated duct, and oftentimes, if, if, you, if you're in a supply air or a makeup air situation, you still need insulation. And, and so, you know, we're not saying that flame bar can't be insulated and won't be insulated. In fact, and sometimes, and oftentimes it is. Uh, and, and so, it, it's not a one or the other. It's a, what is the best solution for the application? Let's go get it. And I think you nailed it um, from a from a total installed cost standpoint. All things considered, flame bar is always going to be uh, uh, the most cost effective. Uh, we, we try to make it that way, uh, which is which is the other advantage that we have at being sort of a uh, a growing company is we can go kind of target and then be the best solution on all dimensions for the project team. You know, great stuff. All right, so Luke, where can people find out more information about Flame Bar and Conquest Fire Spray? I, I say the website. Uh, it's conquest-firespray.com. Uh, you reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to have a conversation. Anytime anyone wants to talk about fire-rated ventilation systems, fire-rated duct, uh, and we're even starting to move into uh, electrical enclosures, believe it or not. Um, um, it's two-way learning. A lot of this stuff is still in its infancy, uh, we can provide the best thinking on the topic, uh, but we're also all ears. If people have like, hey, uh, I got this application on my project. We're trying to learn, trying to figure out what our options are. Happy to work with those folks too, and, and, and we learn along the way. That's great. I was actually going to ask you if you manufacture any other products or if maybe there's something that you could speak of, but it's it's great to see that you're you're a nimble enough company that if you get that feedback from the field that, hey, maybe we can test something. Maybe we'll work with you and, and, and design it if we don't have it already. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, um, what, what, what is the saying? Necessity is the mother of invention. Um, yeah, that's right. I mean, there's a lot of truth to that. I, you know, I, I think step one, uh, have a really good problem statement, right? What is the problem to be solved? Uh, once you see that and you hear it from multiple people, Hey, maybe there is an application there. Let's go vet it a little bit further. And yeah, so these electrical enclosures that I was talking about, it's a, it's a new product for us. Uh, um, you know, it, it, the furnace test that's referenced by the code, you guys are, you know, you've got to go test to 2000 degrees, right? And so your, your fire stops are also tested to 2000 degrees. And then they're hose stream tested. You got to hit it from this side and that side with the hose stream. And it tries to thermally shut. 
So we, we've got to go do the same testing in fire-rated duct world. Electrical enclosures is the same thing. But with electrical enclosures, you're also running some kind of signal through that conductor or through the coax cable or whatever it might be. What does temperature rise do to that signal, right? Uh, and the answer to the question is bad things. It does bad things. So, um, yes, temperature, uh, you know, is the pass-fail criteria for the normal furnace test. But if you can maintain temperatures below a certain threshold, there's some real advantage to the electrical systems that are running through that enclosure. And that's what we found. That's what we've heard. More and more authorities having jurisdiction are required. These are for these um, the ERCS systems, the emergency radio communication systems in buildings. So more AHJs are requiring that, especially connections, whether it's being you know a union, coupling, splitting, one to two, you've got to have a rated connection. And if you don't, you're putting these, emer- again, it's not 70 degrees and sunny. These are fire events that you've got to survive through, right? And um, so, yeah, exciting, exciting time to be a part of the passive industry for sure. Great stuff. Any other uh, trade shows or exhibits or anywhere you're going to be out there? People can meet you in person. Yeah. You know what we do nowadays? Uh, a lot more virt- is virtual outreach, to be honest okay. with you. Sure. So, um, you know, NFPA just kind of came and went in, in Boston. And, uh, you know, we find ourselves involved in a lot of SFPE conversations and, um, you know, around the country, uh, the local chapter meetings. Uh, we hope to be in front of those chapters increasingly. Um, so, uh, but the you know, virtual outreach, if, if the, if the pandemic brought anything, that's a positive upside and you, you got to try to look for the silver lining. It's the ability to do virtual outreach. And, um, in, in my experience, a lot of the design team members in particular, um, have really embraced it. And it's nice to be able to take a meeting and have, you know, you know, six or seven different project team members in different locations across the country be able to look at each other on the same screen, share their screen, you know, draw on each other's drawings, that kind of thing. So we do a lot of virtual nowadays, uh, but I think, you know, I also think that we'll be getting back out there more and more in person uh, to meet people because you can't beat a handshake, um, uh, especially on some of these, you know, look, if somebody's going to do a, a multi-million dollar job and you want to be able to put a face with a name at some point you know so um yeah so luke's not afraid to get on a plane anybody out there listening and uh, uh we'll be sure to put some of those links in the uh the show notes for conquest-firespray.com and also we'll have a link to luke's uh linkedin profile as well so you can connect with him there sound good yeah it's awesome john thank you very much dude Awesome. I appreciate the time, Luke. It was a pleasure getting to know you a little bit better. And I would like to thank everybody else out there that's listening in. We know that there's a lot of podcasts these days, and you've chosen to listen to ours. We're humbled. Thank you very much. And if you if you do like the show, uh, please share it with a friend. Support it. Uh, leave a review. I'm, I hear that's a good thing. Uh, and until next time, this is The Burn. <laughs>